Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Who cleans up our messes? Over the last few weeks, we've made quite a few trips to the state mortuary. These days, they are busier than ever. I'm sure you've read or heard about uh, how mortuaries all over the country are piling up with bodies. Uh, the first time we went was with the Sony family, so we could view the body of their father and husband who had just passed away. In the midst of all that overwhelming sadness, uh, we were struck by the kindness and character of the mortuary workers. What a horrible job it must be trying to avoid whatever contagious sickness still in the dead dealing with smells of decay, handling heavy, limp corpses, doing all of this, but at the same time, kindly helping the grieving families whose whole world uh, have fallen apart. Uh, on Monday uh, this week, we, we had a chance to speak to one of the workers. He shared with me how he had asked God if this is really what he wanted him to keep doing. God had to renew his call. Uh, this kind gentleman shared how God is giving him the strength to keep working, uh, even giving him a sense of humor in the middle of it all. He works daily to cheer up the other workers. Uh, he's been dropped by God into a real mess. How kind of God to send us such wonderful, caring people when we need it most. God sends His people to clean up messes. Uh, there's no greater example of the kindness of, of God than when we than when He sent His own Son to die in our place. Uh, this was done by God not because we were His friends already, but while we were His enemies and still determined to live out uh, a messy, sinful life. Uh, Paul the Apostle, the former terrorist killer of Christians, uh, the one Jesus came to in the middle of His mess and cleaned Him up, writes this, When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored, by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Well, Jesus enters our mess when we are His enemies and He makes us His friends. You know, God's been doing this, though, through, uh, through time, since the beginning of time. He has graciously been dropping, placing His people with His voice into the middle of messes with a cleanup plan. I'm reading through the Bible again this year, and I hope you are as well. Each time I read through the Bible, I'm struck by the kindness of God. This year, I've been overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God over history to send His messengers with a voice of forgiveness and hope. God's been dropping His people into the messes of every generation. There are quite a few notable mentions in Scripture. Early on in history, there's Job. He is dropped right in the middle of Satan's playground. 
What a horrific, sad time for him. His health, his family, and his fortune are taken from him. The point of this, to show us that God is worthy of our trust in him, even when nothing makes sense in our limited understanding. Job cries out to God in the middle of his suffering, and God takes care of him. God cares about our messes and sends Job to show us just how much. Then there's Noah. Noah is asked to build a boat and survive the biggest flood in history in order to preserve wildlife and humanity. He faithfully obeys. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised that one of the first things he did on dry ground was to plant a vineyard, make alcohol, and get drunk. Noah is sent by God into a mess to preserve life. Abraham, who grew up in a dysfunctional home, both parents worshiping everything but God, is called by God to go to, and I quote, a land that I will show you. God says to him that he was going to make him the father of a great nation. God says, I'll make you a blessing to others, and I will bless you, and I will make you famous. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Moses. Moses is born into slavery, survives an attempted murder, placed into a river as a baby, raised by the enemy, called to confront an evil dictator, forced to live with idol-worshiping sinners, all the while pleading their case before God. He was asked to stand in the gap for a people that were always in a mess. Whether he was carrying tablets or a bronze snake or just lifting up his hands for victory in battle, he was always living in the mess, making a case face-to-face -face with God for the messy. Well, when King Xerxes commanded the removal of Queen Vashti from the throne after a series of shocking events, Esther ended up in the palace as a new member of the king's harem. Vashti's replacement would be crowned uh, from this group of the loveliest virgins in the land. Well, already part of the king's harem, which is bad enough, Esther is asked by Mordecai to speak to the king on behalf of the Jews. You see, the, the Jews are in danger of being the victims of genocide. Esther could have been killed just speaking to the king. She had to overcome her fear to come into the king's presence and make a case for the Jews. God used Esther at just the right time to save his people. Then, of course, there's David, who was asked as a teenager to fight a giant with a sling and some stones in order to save Israel. And how about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into a fiery furnace? All of this to show who God really is, so that others would find hope in God alone. And King Nebuchadnezzar said of them, there is no other God who can rescue like this. And how about their friend Daniel? Daniel is thrown into a lion's den to make a point for King Darius. When God saved Daniel from the mouth of predators, King Darius wrote these words, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel had to be dropped into extraordinary danger to convince the king that God is worthy of worship. Wow. Then there's the prophet 
Jeremiah. Instead of keeping his mouth shut and going with the flow, Jeremiah prophesies what the last king of Judah doesn't want to hear. Because of his bad news, he's lowered into a muddy well to rot for his words. There he sinks deep into the mud. When the king has him pulled out and requires him to tell the truth, Jeremiah says, Listen, if I tell you the truth, you'll have me killed, won't you, for what I'm about to say? For the record, Jeremiah was merely trying to save the life of the king and his family. For his efforts, Jeremiah is in prison once again. God sent Jeremiah to a mess to save this messy king. God drops his good news voices in the middle of messes. You can't forget about Hosea, right? Hosea, unbelievable. Hosea is told by God in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Hosea is asked to marry, get this, a working prostitute and have children with her to illustrate the sin of God's people. He was asked to name his children with names that represented the mess of Israel. The, his first child was named Jezreel, which means place of murder. And then uh, his second uh, child he named Not Loved. The third was named Not My People. God asked Hosea to start a dysfunctional family for his glory so that Israel would repent and turn to God and be blessed. Can you just imagine dinner time at Hosea's house? Time for dinner, kiddos. Let's go. Sweet place of murder. Oh, my dear precious not loved. Oh, and my favorite last born, not my people. Imagine what their family dynamics were like. Of course, then there's Ezekiel. Ezekiel is called to a rough, rough nation. Ezekiel chapter 2 talks about this. Is stand up, son of man, said the voice. I want to speak with you. The Spirit came on to me as he spoke, and he set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are stubborn and hard-hearted people. Son of man, do not fear them or their words. Don't be afraid, even though their threats surround you like nettles. That's a stinging plant hairs and briars and stinging scorpions. Do not be dismayed by their dark scowls. Don't let their frowns get you down, even though they are rebels. You must give them my message whether they listen or not. But they won't listen, for they are completely rebellious. But the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me, for the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. But look, I have made you as obstinate and hard-hearted as they are. I have made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock, so don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels. So the Spirit of God lifted him up. Tells us that he was bitter and he was in turmoil. He didn't want to go. Then I, He says, Then he came to the colony of the Judean exiles in Tel Aviv, beside the Kebar River. Ezekiel says, I was overwhelmed and sat among them for seven days just trying to contemplate his mission. After seven days, the Lord gave Ezekiel this message. He said, Son of man, I've appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. 
If I warn the wicked, saying, you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver this, the warning, they will die in their sins. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. But you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. If righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior and ignore the obstacles I put in their way, they will die. And if you don't warn them, they will die in their sins. None of their righteous acts will be remembered. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. God continues to place His people in messes, requiring them with consequences if they don't obey, to share the truth, to help people be freed from their unrighteousness. Of course, then there's Jonah. Wow. Jonah is called to the messy Ninevites. And he didn't want to go. He tried to sell away from the call. God had him thrown overboard in, in seaweed-filled murky waters to save the men on the boat. God had a fish swallow Jonah to save his life. Had him spat out on a beach so he could continue to preach. God still expected Jonah to share a message of hope to the people of Nineveh. God's kindness sent Jonah to a mess. Then, of course, there's John the Baptist, the forerunner of our Savior Jesus, called to preach a message of repentance to a sinful people. His life ends with his head cut off. John, while he was in prison, had moments where he wondered if it was all worth it. He sent his men to Jesus to see if he really was the one he was in prison for. Then there's the martyrs that we read about in the New Testament, Stephen. Stephen is killed at the hands of Saul while he's delivering a message of hope. Saul, the terrorist, is called by God. And in, in Paul's commission by Ananias, God orders Ananias to go to Saul and say this, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. God calls people to be his messengers, places them in the middle of a mess to bring the voice of hope to people who are enemies of God. Of course, then there's us, we who are still hanging out here on earth. Uh, we're also called to have the same love and kindness for the enemies of God. We're, we're called to run into danger and run into messes. This is what this former terrorist, now named Paul, formerly Saul, writes to the, to the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 and following. He says, because we understand our fearful, our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we're sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we, are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died, all died, to our old life. He died for everyone so that 
those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gives us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God sends us into messes. And you know, messes are usually messy. We shouldn't be surprised when it's messy. A, a farmer should not be surprised when he steps in manure. I love what Proverbs 14.4 says, Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. A, a doctor shouldn't be surprised by sick people. And again, the messengers of God should not be surprised that lost people act lost. Sinners sin, thieves steal, killers kill, rapists rape, terrorists terrorize. We can make the mistake and question the motives of God, especially when we know that God puts us in this mess and won't let us leave it. After all, he prayed this to his father. He said this. He says, The world hates them because they don't belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Jesus said this to his father. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. This is John 17, verse 15 and following. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. As followers of Christ, God, out of his kindness, sends us to messes. It's part of our walk. There are consequences if we don't obey there are blessings if we do, not only for ourselves, but also for the ones in the mess. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Romans 5, 6 through 11. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came to us just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. What mess are you in? God has sent Christ for you and can make you a friend of God. You just need to repent and believe. Listen, if you're, if you're truly a follower of God, you need to ask what mess has God called you to? What utterly helpless person is God calling you to love? What messy person needs friendship with God? Lord Jesus, help us to be faithful to your call to the messy. Lord, thank you that you came to us in the, in the, in the pit of our mess and, and drew us to yourself, Father, and, and made us your friends. Oh, Lord, I am I'm stunned by this, that your kindness brought you to my mess. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, we ask now, God, that you would empower us to be uh, the people who run to danger, run to the mess, in order to bring a, a voice of hope. Lord, the good news. Lord, your good news. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you for the way you love us. In your name I pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.